Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Over the last few months, we've devoted a number of our Chicago Legal Latte discussions to the new tax law that was passed at the end of 2017. Uh, And we've also talked about some of the new laws that were added to the books in Illinois for 2018. Uh, Today, we're going to continue and really combine those two themes as we uh, dive a bit deeper into the impact of the tax law changes on certain individuals. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. Um, and today, let's let's uh, take one key component of that new tax law and uh, take a look at how it's going to impact people who are going through uh, divorce proceedings. Now, prior to this time, uh, alimony or support, as it's known now, um, you may not have known, could have been claimed as a tax deduction for the spouse who is making the payments. And as a key component of that new law, that deduction has been eliminated. So we're going to see just what the impact from that might be going forward. Now, joining me to uh, have the conversation today is a highly experienced family law attorney and a partner at Lavelle Law, Emil Alcas, who's been with us a number of times. So, Emil, I got you on short notice. Thanks for making the time to do this today. Oh, no, no problem. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. So, you know, got a lot to cover, but let's let's recap where we were, because I think it was you and I that spoke, uh, it might have been a year or two ago now, about the new method being used to calculate support payments in Illinois. Can you kind of rephrase that for us uh, and where we were starting from? Sure. Yeah, prior to um, 2016, alimony was basically up to the discretion of the court. So there was no formula, there was no set standard at the time, and it was basically judge by judge specific. And as attorneys, you get to know the judges and, and have a feel of how you think they'll award maintenance. Uh, but that's now changed. So just recently, several years ago, the legislator uh, enacted an actual formula, and it applies for individuals, or excuse me, for couples that earn uh, over $500,000, or, or excuse me, it applies to couples that earn under $500,000 of combined income. Um, and that just actually changed this year uh, up to between January of 2016 and January 1 of 2018, uh, if the couples earned less than 250000 then the new maintenance laws would apply. Essentially what it is is this. Now, the formula is um, it, you take 30% of the payer's income minus 20% of the person receiving that alimony, and that's your formula. And you know, the receiver's new income after getting alimony cannot exceed 40% of the party's combined income. And if it does, then you reduce it by what the delta is between uh, what you should be receiving and that 40%. And then there's also, you know, for the duration of maintenance um, is based on the length of the marriage. So, for example, if somebody was married between zero and five years, um, they would have to pay for 20% of the length of their marriage. Um, and there's, you know, and it goes up uh, between every uh, five years or so. So between zero and five is 20 percent. Five and ten is 40 percent. Ten and 15 years is 60 percent. And then 15 to 20 is 80 percent. And then anything over 20 years, uh, you're paying for as long as you were married. So basically permanent. 
And so that's it. Now, in a one of the things that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it helps because it's it's good to have a, a point of reference. But one of the things that I, you know, I've been reading about with regard to the new tax law is that, you know, uh, the fact that the payments were tax deductible was sort of a, you know, a bonus for the payer, and in some cases might have made negotiations a bit easier because they knew that it was being, um, you know, some ad, some advantage to them. Did you did you find that in your practice that um, knowing that there was a deduction at least made some things more palatable? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for the most part, a lot of people don't like the idea of paying maintenance to their ex-spouse. And to make it a little bit easier to swallow, you would explain to them that, you know, just because you're paying, you know, let's say $2,000 a month, you're not really paying $2,000 a month because when you file your taxes at the end of the year, you're going to deduct all of those payments from your adjusted gross income. So you're you're getting a tax break, essentially, and you can essentially go into a different tax category altogether based on how much you're paying. So it made it easier to negotiate a settlement based on, you know, somebody paying maintenance voluntarily because you would explain to them that, you know, there was some benefit to this. And, you know, and it helps the other person as well, too, because now they're getting a secondary income, so to speak. So they're getting another source of income in addition to whatever employment they have. And that'll help at least defray some of their expenses as they adjust back to being single. Um, so there were advantages on both sides of the fence. And, and do I read this new law correctly now, that in fact that deduction, that ability to, to you know, take that as a, a reduction on your AGI is, is simply eliminated altogether? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's, yes. So starting January 1 of 2019, um, any new divorces or new orders that are entered um, for those people, they yes, the payer would not be able to deduct any of those maintenance payments, and the person receiving the income would not have to claim it as income on their end either. So it, it, it completely benefits the person receiving the maintenance. Um, now, the issue is, I mean, that's a problem in itself, but then now you've got divorces that are pending now, right? So we're in March, and we have some divorces that are newly filed I think what you're going to see is, you know, the person that's anticipated to receive maintenance, I, I think there's motivation now to drag the case out a little bit longer. You know, let's push this case so that we don't finalize it until January of you know, 2019 or sometime thereafter. Um, you know, so the, there's some issues with that, and there's some other issues that we can discuss as well. And and, and that's a great qualifier, because I want to be, be real clear about this. If someone is currently operating under a divorce decree from some previous year and they're they're making their payments does does that deduction go away for them or is it just for people who reach the agreement after January 1 of next year uh so, no what we do know right now is any divorce that was finalized before January 1 of 2019 it the law is what it is um you know back like it was in 2017 so the person would still be able to deduct those maintenance payments, even though they got divorced December 31, 2018. So as long as they're still in 2018 and the divorce is completely finalized and there's a judgment entered dissolving their marriage, that person would still be able to deduct those maintenance payments. Now, if you wait a day later than that, so you get divorced on January 1 of 2019, you no longer can do that. And so it really puts someone at a disadvantage. Um, you know, there's probably the way to kind of get around that is to factor in what you would be paying in taxes or what you could have deducted 
had the law still been what it is now and try to use that to try to negotiate. And again, you know, I guess we'll run into those hurdles come next year when we try to negotiate these settlements that involve maintenance. Yeah. And when we talk about maintenance, is, is that money that goes simply to the spouse? I mean, if there are children involved, is that a, a separate calculation, or is this any money going from the earner to the to the uh, recipient? Uh, no. So maintenance would be for the sole support of the other spouse. Um, so child support is non-deductible now. So when somebody pays child support, when they file their taxes, they can't reduce their adjusted gross income by the amount of child support they've paid in the prior year. So that's not taxable to the person receiving it, the parent receiving the child support, nor is it deductible for the person paying child support. And that's how maintenance will be treated come 2019. Um, So no, maintenance is strictly just for the support of the other spouse. Um, Child support is a separate payment uh, that somebody would make to support children. Okay, you're uh, you're hearing from Emil Alcas of Lavelle Law uh, today. Emil's a, a partner at the firm and uh, very accomplished family law practitioner. Um, and you can get a lot more information at LavelleLaw.com. Uh, plenty of articles, podcasts, videos on family law topics and other topics of law as well. Um, but I uh, certainly recommend some time there because we're only going to get so far today. We always have so much to cover. Um, now, Emil, you talked about the the Illinois law of the last couple of years that sort of had this fixed calculation. Uh, always hard to predict what's going to happen in Springfield, but do you imagine that um, because of this federal change, they might go back and relook at that calculation? I, I think so. I think there has to be some sort of clarity because, you know, some issues that could arise now is let's say somebody um, is divorced now and they have a maintenance obligation that they're paying. But what if in 2019 or sometime after that, that order gets modified? And now, you know, because let's say the ex-wife now has a full-time job and no longer needs as much maintenance as she did when they got divorced when she wasn't working. So when that ex-husband goes into court to modify it and he wins and gets a reduction of his maintenance payments, what happens then? Does the court, is he grandfathered in? Is he not? You know, so that's still unclear. And I think I guess we'll see whether they, you know, there's new law that's enacted or cases that get appealed and set precedent. You know, that that's an issue that's still in the gray area. The other concern I have is, you know, we we do a lot of prenups, and these are people that agree in advance of a divorce what'll happen in the event that they do get divorced. And a lot of these prenups have provisions for maintenance. Now, the parties agreed on this prenup. They signed the contract in 2018, but they don't get divorced until 2000, let's say, 20. And now the maintenance dollar amount was already established in 2018 when they set the contract. Does that person get to deduct their taxes, you know, their their maintenance payments? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know. So I think as more, you know, of these issues come up, I think there's there's going to be some change, whether it's by law, you know, by the legislator, or whether it's through the courts, you know, in the appellate process, um, you know, but that's something that I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, it seems to happen with every new law that gets passed. It's a matter of time before it gets challenged uh, somewhere in court or the reality of operation comes to be. Now, you had mentioned earlier that child support is separate, so I just, again, to drill down a little further, so in an instance in which a couple is not married, but had a child, and, and one person is paying support for that child, and they're, they're, this is a completely different topic. It wouldn't really affect them in any way. Correct, yes. It would not affect anybody that's 
uh, strictly paying child support or receiving child support. Okay. All right. So uh, take a look now at, at, at your practice, and I know you're you're always busy and uh, you have a lot on your plate. But as you you know start to look ahead now, you mentioned a few things that that give you pause. Um, is is just lengthening the process uh, over the next year or so because of this potential change, uh, one of the first things that jumps out at you and that you're going to have to kind of work your way through with clients? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, it depends on what side of the fence you're representing. If I'm representing the person that is anticipated to pay maintenance, I'm doing my best to try to get that person divorced this year um, or at least have an agreement on maintenance and entered with the court establishing that um, with respect to the case because, you know, you want to make sure that this person at least has the ability or some benefit of paying maintenance. But then again, if I'm representing the person that's receiving it, and that's usually your opponent, um, they're going to tell their client the complete opposite. Let's slow this case down. Let's not move it so quickly. Let's get you divorced next year, and here's why. And so it, it really does cause a lot of roadblocks in terms of getting a case resolved because it depends on, you know, what side of the fence you're on. Are you paying maintenance or are you receiving maintenance? So, you know, what I think will happen in these negotiations, I think when a person, you know, that would typically pay 2000 a month in maintenance is now making offers to pay, let's say, $1,200. You know, so they're basically sort of factoring in what their tax benefit would have been and, and just doing it that way. Um, but, yes, I, I think there's a lot of concern by a lot of family law practitioners that I've spoken to that, cases will just take longer now uh well cases that involve maintenance will take longer because of this you know this new law yeah well um excellent recap today and i certainly appreciate emil taking the time to be with us uh, we're going to let him go here as we wrap things up but uh again let me point uh, everyone over to the law.com it's a great place to well, you can get uh, emil's profile there read some of the articles he's written look at past information um, and um, then pick up the phone, give them a call, drop an email if you'd like to get some more help or assistance on topics like this in the family law realm or any other legal topics that may need some assistance. And once again, thank you for listening. I look forward to having you back uh, with us for future episodes of Chicago's Legal Latte.